so. A long, long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away, before the time of smartphones, before the time of instant messaging, there was this period of time of landline phones. Some of you may remember this time. It may be just a faint memory. Some of you may even still have one of these relics in your home with the cord that is about 15 feet long so you can wander around the entire house while you're talking to someone. Well, there came this time where people wanted to connect with each other even when they were not near a landline phone. So they invented this little box that people would carry on their hips so that whenever you needed to be notified that someone needed to get a hold of you, this little box would buzz. You would look at the box, it would give a number, and you would call that person. That little box was called a pager or a beeper. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, then I feel old and you should look it up on Google. But a few years ago, when I lived in Georgia, I worked for a company called SurfPro. Now, where we were, cell phone reception was terrible. But once a month, one weekend a month, and every Monday I was on call. At any point in time, if there was a water damage, if a pipe busted in someone's house, I was the guy. I was the hero. Oh, it was terrible. But the pager would go off. It was like the bat signal. But here's what was terrible. For me, those weekends, I had to stay ready. I couldn't go off. I had to stay within a 35, like a 35 minute drive to the office. So I couldn't go out of town to hang out with friends. My friends, hey, let's go to a movie. Where we lived, you had to drive like an hour to get to a movie theater. Yeah, it was terrible. I can't go, I'm on call. Hey, Keith, let's go out to eat. I can't, I'm on call. Like if me and my wife, if we wanted to go somewhere, we would have to take separate vehicles just in case I got a call. Or she would have to be okay with leaving early. So all the time, this pager's on my hip and I'm ready. Ready to suit up and save the day, but I had to stay available. And today we are wrapping up, we're landing the plane on this series called The Goat, The Greatest of All Time. And over the last few weeks, we've been looking at different attributes of what it looks like in God's eyes, who are some of the greatest individuals? What's some common denominators in their lives? We talked about uh, being consistent with our life, with our relationship with the Lord. Uh, we talked, Pastor Kevin and talked last week about uh, embracing our place of where God has us, where we're at is where God wants to use us. And today, I'll be honest with you, the attribute we're gonna talk about, I think is the most important. Now, maybe that's because I'm preaching about it, that I think it's the most important. I'm not sure. But without this, the other ones aren't going to be possible. Honestly, the other ones won't even, probably won't even matter. So here's what I want you to turn with me in your copy of God's Word to Acts chapter 16, verse 6. Acts chapter 16, verse 6. And we're going to read a few portions of scripture within this chapter. So don't close your Bible. Don't close the app out yet to go surf Facebook. Hold on for dear life. And as we, here's one thing I love about the book of Acts. Again, for me, I've always loved it. It's the history of the early church. It's one of the first books of the Bible that I personally uh, studied and read through when I first started following Jesus. But what I love is that you have this guy named Luke, who's a doctor, who wrote this. He also wrote the gospel of Luke. And for him, he's writing and giving a history of the church. But the first 16 chapters is they. They did this. They did that. But then around verse, then on verse 11 of chapter 16, it changes from they to we. Luke was a spectator. Then he became a participator. So let's jump in. We're going to read this. 
I love it. I'm excited. Verse six, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of uh, Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Verse 11, we boarded a boat at Troas and sailed straight across the island of Samothrace. And the next day, we landed at Neapolis. Verse 12, from there, we, I promise I'm not going to do that the whole time, reached Philippi, a major city of that district of Macedonia and a Roman colony. I lied. And we stayed there several days. Luke jumped on board. Luke, when they were in Troas, they hooked up, he got together, and he became a part of the story. He wasn't just talking about what they did. He's talking about what they and him included had done. So it's incredible to see Luke move again. He probably had a great medical practice. He was probably helping people as a doctor, but he decided to say yes to being a part of this missionary team, to being a part of sharing the gospel in areas that they had never even heard the gospel. And this is what you and I, this is what we're going to unpack today. This is what was true for Luke, is true for us, is that God cannot use the unavailable. God cannot use the unavailable. It can't happen. One of the greatest features created with a smartphone was that decline button. Don't act like you've never declined that call. Don't act like someone you know called you up and you said, not right now, click, and they went straight to voicemail. <clears throat> I love that invention, especially with spam callers. Oh, no, 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 you ain't got me. Decline. The thing is, that's what a lot of us times were, again, this is going to sound very christian easy, very punny, if you will. God is calling, but we are declining the call. We're saying, not right now. I'm busy. I can't, oh, I can't talk right now. I got this going on. No, I can't do this right now because I've got, we're unavailable. And God cannot use us if we are unavailable. Listen, I know schedules are crazy. Things are wacky. Everything seems to like keep changing every three to four weeks in our society. We never know what we're going to get until we wake up. It's like Forrest Gump and life is like a box of chocolates. I may be dating myself. If you don't know that reference, God help you and go to Google. And here's what we think. We think to ourselves, God's full of grace. He's full of mercy. He's, he understands. He is totally cool with it. He's okay. He still loves me. Yes, he does. But he can't use you. Jesus, he, taught, he told this parable uh, in the chapter 22 of Matthew's gospel about this individual that was creating this great feast. And he sent out all the invitations. He's got this big spread. He is ready for the party of his life. The time comes and no one shows up. Can you imagine making the best food? Oh, you got Chick-fil-A. You don't just have Chick-fil-A, you've got ribeye. You got the best of the best and you're just waiting for everybody to get there so you can feast and no one shows up. How depressing. You know what Jesus said the guy did? He boxed all of it up in Tupperware and said, eh, it's okay. No. He said, next. And he sent his people out to go get other people. And they said, yes. And they came and they feasted. God cannot use the unavailable, but he can use those that are available. Because see, the story of Scripture is very simple. It's not the story of people's ability. It's the story of people's availability. Listen, God can gift you with some of the greatest abilities. He can give you the greatest strengths. But if they are not used, then you're pointless. It doesn't matter. What does it matter if someone can bench 500 pounds, but they don't do anything with the strength? 
God wants to use you. He wants us to be available and not so that we can have something that we can put a gold star next to our name. He wants to use you to accomplish his purpose, his desires, his will. He wants to use you to further his purpose, to further the gospel in your community, in your neighborhood. But we have to be available. Here's some examples. These are some peeps that Paul journeyed with. And again, we're going to stick here in Acts chapter 16. The first one we're going to look at is Timothy. Now, Timothy was someone that Paul had poured into. Paul actually wrote two of his last letters uh, in the New Testament to this guy, Paul. Uh, Timothy was a guy that would go on to plant a church in Ephesus. Now, I'm going to be completely honest with you. This is where we put on our mature caps. We're going to be mature here for the next three and a half minutes because this verse is not for the faint of heart. And I'll be honest with you. Hope your kids are in kids' ministry. If they're not, you're going to have some explaining to do because Timothy... He made himself available, and Timothy did something that I don't think any man in here would do. Let's read verse 3. I got your attention. So Paul wanted Timothy to join them on their journey. In deference to the Jews of the area, he arranged, this is painful, for Timothy to be circumcised before they left. For everyone knew that his father was a Greek. You see, they were going to go and minister to Jews. Timothy, he was not considered a Jew. He was a Gentile. So in order for him to have credit, if you will, he had to have a procedure done that he went through with. But yet some of us have a difficulty of just sharing love to our neighbor and helping them when they see them in distress. Timothy made himself more available than anyone I ever know will ever know. I don't even think I would have said, I would have said no, 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 Paul. Mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. Here's another person. Good. Now you can take a maturity cap off. Everybody said a sigh of relief. Her name was Lydia. She was in Philippi. She would be uh, like modern day, like a fashion designer. So let's read into this. This is the same Acts chapter 16. This is verse 13 through 15. It says, on the Sabbath, we went a little way outside the city to a riverbank where we thought people would be meeting for prayer. And we sat down to speak with some of the women who had gathered there. One of them was Lydia from Thyatira, a merchant of expensive purple cloth who worshiped God. As she listened to us, the Lord opened her heart and she accepted what Paul was saying. She and her whole household were baptized and she asked us to be her guests. If you agree that I am a true believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my home. And she urged us until we agreed. She made the decision to follow Christ and she made her home available for Paul and this entire team so they can have a place to stay, a place to be cared for while they were on this journey. She was available. Timothy was available. Back years ago, again, before the time of YouTube and Google and the internet and such as that, uh, there was an elderly widow who was homebound, but she still wanted to serve God. She still wanted to do something to help and serve others. So she put an ad in the paper in the Oakland Tribune, and she said, I'm a pianist, and I would love to play for anyone that would like to hear a hymn. And she put her phone number in the, in the ad and then waited. And then she started getting phone calls. And she'd answer the phone, and she would simply ask, what hymn would you like to hear played? And she would play it, and she would have a chance to talk with these individuals. Because they didn't just call and listen to her play. They would share with her. 
They would share what they were going through. They would share her burdens. They would kind of like unburden and unload. And she had a chance to share with them the goodness of God. She had a chance to encourage them, to uplift them. She made herself available. And why this is so important is because, check this out, so many of us, because I'm included, we're like spiritually unemployed. We don't have a place. See, Jesus said that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers. The laborers are few. If I threw a question out there and said, do you serve? Over 50% would say no. And when I say serve, I don't just mean within the walls of this church. I don't just mean on one of our awesome uh, Sunday ministry teams. I mean anywhere. Do you serve? Do you do something to add value to the kingdom of God? Do you serve somewhere that's pushing the gospel forward? Over 50% of us, according to the statistics, would say no. And then we wonder why God's not doing more because we're unavailable, because we are preoccupied. I understand. I'm like, Luke, I'm saying we. This is, not, this is no they, them. This is us. Because I hit the decline button as much as you do when God comes calling. I remember for me, when I first started serving in church, I just wanted to serve. I had no intention to be in ministry. This right here, what you see, Keith up here being this little talking head with a microphone, that, this was never a desire of my heart. Not only that, this was not expected by anyone. I was not the kid that you saw. I'm like, oh, he's going to do great things in ministry for the Lord. No, I was the guy you looked at and said, bless your heart. <laughs> so I wanted to serve. I made myself available. I said, what do you need? What can I do? I was a teenager. I said, you can set up lights. So I did every week. I went up and to the second in this room that was literally like above the sanctuary. And I dragged these tree lights all the way down. They weighed as much as I did. I set those bad boys up. Why? Because I recognized that I wasn't just setting up tree lights. I was helping set an atmosphere for a church service that would impact lives. I knew there was something beyond this action, beyond this availability, beyond this obedience. That's what I did. I was at a church in Georgia. I wanted to serve. I made myself available. I said, hey, ask the leader, what do you need? What can I do? You know what he didn't say? He didn't say, I need you to preach. Mm -mm. I need you to do this really high role activity. Mm -mm. I need you to lead this team. Mm -mm. I need you to, can you pick up trash before and after each service? I said, absolutely. And I did. Oh, I made it pristine. I had a system. I would tie a trash bag to my belt loop and man, I was handling business. Why? Because I recognized that me being available, me stepping and serving this way helped to have a clean atmosphere for people to experience God in a real way. There's always something on the other side of our obedience. It is never just you saying yes. There's something else. There's this ripple effect. There's someone on the other side of your obedience. God is not calling us to do things just so we can put a gold star by our name. It's to make kingdom impact. But we have to be available. So how do we do it? We gotta stop asking God, help me, help me, help me. We gotta start asking God, how can I help you? So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna leave here today. We're gonna do two things. We're gonna find a need. We're gonna fill it. We're gonna seek out a way to serve. We're gonna find a need and then we're going to fill it. We're gonna be the answer to that prayer. We're gonna be the hope in that individual's life. If you look ahead two chapters in Acts, Acts chapter 18, Verses 26 through 28, this is uh, a moment about a couple named Priscilla and Aquila. 
and they were mentoring an individual named Apollos. They stepped up. They didn't have to do this, and they did it. Verse 26, when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, Apollos, preaching boldly in the synagogue, they took him aside and explained the way of God even more accurately. They were pouring into him. They were mentoring him. Apollos had been thinking about going to Achaia, and the brothers and sisters in Ephesus encouraged him to go. They wrote to the believers in Achaia, asking them to welcome him. When he arrived there, he proved to be of great benefit to those who, by God's grace, had believed. He refuted the Jews with powerful arguments in public debate. Using scriptures, he explained to them that Jesus was the Messiah. Priscilla and Aquila made themselves available to pour into this individual. Now, Apollos, one thing you may not know is he would go on to be a very, just a really great influential individual within the early church. Actually, when you uh, read in some of Paul's writings and his letters, he actually referenced him. He said, some of you guys follow Apollos, some of you guys follow me. So he would actually go on to lead individuals. And it happened because Priscilla and Aquila made themselves available. Paul became who he was because Barnabas said yes to more mentoring him. When other people said, nah, Paul kills Christians. I don't want nothing to do with him. Barnabas said, mm, I'll hang out with him. There is always someone on the other side of the obedience. God wants to use you where you are. And here's something I'm going to say. It might sound really weird, but trust me, I'll unpack it. Don't pray about what God has called you to do. Here's why I say that. A lot of times we have an opportunity that we can serve the Lord, and here's what we say. I'll pray about it. That is the Christian passive-aggressive way of saying no. I know that, and you know that. Why? Because I have done that. We need to stop being preoccupied and waiting for the stars to align before we say yes, because it's not always going to be in our time. We need to be available. We need to be ready. I'm pretty sure Timothy didn't want to go through this surgical procedure so that he could go share the gospel. There are times when our availability, when we walk in obedience, it may not be comfortable. It may not be what we want. But guess what? On the other side of our obedience is God's will being accomplished. And that has to be enough. It has to be enough that our name will not be recognized. It has to be enough that it's not always going to be about us. If the name of Jesus is being lifted high, that has to be enough. But there are times we get too selfish that we say, mm, I don't feel like it. Pretty sure Paul didn't feel like him. He was being beaten for the gospel. Now, yes, I'm using extreme measures, but I'm trying to paint a picture of the urgency the need that there are people in our communities, our neighbors, our coworkers that are going to hell if we do not step out in obedience. God wants to use you where you are. He's not waiting for, you, you should gotta stop waiting for someone else to step up to the plate. It's your time. It's your turn. There's a guy named Charles Simeon. He was in a cemetery, which is, kind of odd, but he was, he was waiting for a funeral. He was going to be performing a funeral. And while he was waiting, he was walking among the tombstones. He was reading all the epitaphs and just seeing what was written. And there was one that gripped him, one that like, hmm, this is good stuff. And this is what it said. 
When from the dust of when from the dust of death I rise to claim my mansion in the skies, then shall this be all my plea. Jesus hath lived and died for me. Even in death, this individual was declaring the gospel. And Charles, he was so gripped by this, by this moment, he had to share with someone. He had to talk to someone about it. And he was, again, scanning the cemetery, which, again, kind of creepy, to be honest with you. But he saw this young lady, and she looked distressed. She looked distraught. And he was like, hey, come here, which, again, kind of creepy. If you're hanging out in a cemetery, people were like, hey, come here. Anyways, so she comes. And he's like, hey, read this. Tell me what you think. She read it. She was impacted. And he prayed for her. But it didn't stop there. He got her contact info. He went and visited her house, visited her family. And he got there and discovered that her mom was there dying of asthma. Her kids were there warming themselves by this really small fire. They're living in poverty and squalor, barely had enough to keep going. And he spent time with them and he prayed for them, but it doesn't stop there. He gave them assistance. He brought them food. He helped them in tangible ways. He cared for them. And several weeks go by, and he's still going back and forth, caring for this family that's in need. And he was talking to this young woman, the young woman that he just by chance saw and met in a cemetery after reading a gospel-filled tombstone. And she shared with him that she had been in that cemetery for five hours that day. She was there contemplating suicide. And by him reaching out, by him sharing just what he read on a tombstone, it changed her life and the life of her family. He made himself available. So often we're waiting for the stars to align. We're waiting for the perfect moment to share the gospel, the perfect moment to help someone in need. There is no such thing as a perfect moment. There's the now. When we leave this place today, when you log off today, you're gonna have an opportunity to show God's love in a tangible way. You're gonna have an opportunity to be available. We have to stop being preoccupied. It's so easy, it's so easy to be preoccupied. We don't even mean to. We're not, it's not like we're, again, followers of Christ, it's not like we're going through life trying to completely avoid being obedient to God. That's not our intention, but it happens. It sneaks up on us. Next thing you know, our schedule's packed. Next thing you know, oh, I can't serve, I can't do that. We have all these excuses and most of them are really good. They're really good reasons. But are they bigger than what God's called us to do? It's difficult. It's not easy being a Christian. But when we live in obedience, God uses it to make things happen, to impact lives in ways that we probably can't even fathom. You know, we're reading about the history of the early church. We're reading about, and again, several times we're reading through uh, Paul's letters and such as that. And I'm pretty sure at the time, they didn't think that we would be here hundreds of years later, still reading these same writings. But yeah, here we are. Their availability made impact even to this day. You do not know the ripple effect that your obedience can have in people's lives. Of how God wants to use you where you are. God can't use the unavailable. We're gonna find a need and we're gonna fill it. And this morning, we're gonna pray. I'm gonna pray that God would open our eyes 
that God would help us to see needs, help us to be available, to take whatever necessary measures we need to take so that we can be present and available to say yes. Like me with that pager. I built my whole weekend around having to say yes. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be on call. When we're following the Lord, it doesn't matter what we want to do because it's going to make kingdom impact. There are times we're not going to want to be obedient. We're going to want to say, no, God, please, no. Some of you felt that way when you got up and were trying to decide if you even wanted to come here today. No, God, please, no. Maybe they're going to cancel. God wants to use you where you are. Find a need, fill it. Pray with me this morning. God, we're so thankful. It's still astounding that you use us as imperfect individuals to fulfill your perfect will. God, to show your goodness and your strength, your mercy, your grace through our actions, through our lives. God, help us. Help us to be available. God, I pray that you convict us in the areas of our lives that we're trying to keep for ourselves, that we're trying to keep away from you. God, help us to surrender everything to you. Not just so we can be good Christians, but God, so we can be used by you, so we can be ready. God, help us to build our life around what you desire. God, help us to say no to ourselves, no to our selfishness, and yes to you. Yes to what you want. God, open our eyes as we drive into our neighborhoods for ways that we can serve those around us. Open our eyes when we're in the workplace and we look for ways to serve our coworkers or supervisors. God, open our eyes when we're in the grocery store running errands that we can pause and slow down and be used by you to fulfill your will, to make kingdom impact. God, give us the boldness to step out in obedience. Give us the words to say and share to others. God, help us to be available so that we can be used by you, so we can live in obedience to you. God, we thank you for everything that you're going to do in this. As we continue to pray, you may be here today and you don't have a relationship with God. You don't have a relationship with him through Christ. And I wanna invite you today to make the best decision because through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can be forgiven of our sins. We can have eternal life. We can have a relationship with our creator. And if you wanna make a decision to follow Christ today, I want you to just pray this prayer with me and say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner, but I believe that in the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, I'm forgiven of my sins. I confess that you are Lord of my life. I surrender everything to you. Guide my steps. Help me be available. In your holy name we pray. Amen.